0: Great. It's true, isn't it? God's faithfulness. It's amazing. i just say a couple of things before we get started. Um, if you've been around this church for a long time or, or if you haven't, it uh, might be helpful to know that we're really committed to mission, what's called mission. That is reaching out to people. Sharing the good news with people, whether that's kind of here in Southampton or across the world. So, you know, can I just endorse really what what Lou was sharing earlier? This it's something quite remarkable is happening, and uh, I was involved in it on Monday. And uh, the thing is, these three you, we've only got these, these numbers three hundred and whatever it is. Not the numbers don't matter, we but it is encouraging. Um, there are people who. Who were prayed with and went right on through. I spoke to three people on Monday who didn't want to go that far, but they were really happy to be prayed for. I had an an amazing experience praying for a particular man. I won't go into the details now, um, but but it was you know God was just there in a remarkable way. So uh, apart from those people who have kind of prayed a prayer inviting Jesus into their lives, hundreds more people who didn't want to go that far, have had some kind of encounter with the living God. It's... it's Remarkable anyway, uh, if you want to be involved as well as uh, in the mornings, uh, there are evening kind of celebrations going on in Central Hall each evening at seven thirty and uh, at city life 's church tonight on, uh, uh, in Sling on Burgess Road. Um, you do feel free that you 'll get lots more stories and get kind of capture a flavor of of the thinking and, and if you like the truth behind this. Um, it, I, you know, they, they are meetings that are very much in the culture of uh, city life and new community church. So just be aware that they're a little bit different from the way we do things here. But it's uh, great to be there and to share with, uh, you know, don't let that put you off, but just, you know, Get involved if you'd like to be, because it really is a great opportunity, and also don 't miss the, 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 the lamb Curry event they 'll find out from Wheat Team about that. Lamb is a project in Bangladesh we 're linked with it it 's a great opportunity to enjoy fantastic food and hear about what god 's doing in Bangladesh and how we can be part of it and are part of it. So anyway let 's look into the book of Genesis that 's what we 're doing on Sunday mornings as part of our learning together. Genesis, uh, this, the very first book of the Bible, it's the book of beginnings, isn't it? I'm sure you've uh, had that uh, mentioned to you in the course of this uh, series. The first 11 chapters are all about the beginning of everything, the creation of the world. And we, we kind of get into the, the, the story of how God loves his creation. He watches over the life of his creation, particularly people, human beings like us, made to be in his image, to be in relationship with him. Then, even though we turn away from him and mess up ourselves and the world around us, he still loves and he's still involved. So, from chapter 12 of Genesis, we see how God is going to be involved in the story of humanity in a particular way. And he chooses a man to reveal himself to, a man who becomes known as Abraham. And, uh, you know, Jews, Muslims, and Christians would all kind of take our roots back to this man in Genesis called Abraham. And God promises to bless humanity through Abraham and his family. This family says, God, I'm going to bless you in such a way that you and what I do with you will be like a bridgehead into the rest of the human race. He doesn't say to Abraham, I'm just choosing you because I think you're great and I'd really like you to have a great time. He's saying, I'm choosing you to be the means through which my salvation, my rescue purposes are going to be worked out uh, right across human history. It's an amazing story because Abraham believes and trusts in God and God tells Abraham to walk with him, to travel with him as Abraham sets off in Genesis 12 towards a land that God is going to give. And this family of Abraham, as I guess you've been finding out in the homework and in the very kind of series title, this family of Abraham are our spiritual ancestors. Why? Well, because Jesus came through this family, Jesus came through this people, Jesus is the one who is going to bless the nation. He the nations, he's the completion of this great kind of movement of God that you read through right through the whole of the Bible, beginning with Genesis. And we as Jesus followers and, and his people, people who've been rescued by Jesus. We are connected with him. And we're part of God's ongoing purpose as well. To bring rescue and love to people from all nations. Which is why we're involved in mission, by the way. But that's another story. Well, it isn't. It's the same story. But it's for another time, if you see what I mean. More than that, though. As followers of Jesus, we're called to to trust God. To live a life of faith. To walk with God. Through Jesus and all that he's done. Those ancestors, Abraham and his family, were called to trust God, to believe him, and to travel with him. To trust him and to travel with him in their lives. And we're actually walking the same kind of path, aren't we? So in that sense, they are also our ancestors. Jesus calls us to trust God... To walk with him through our lives, through though they may be messed up, though the world is in a state, we're called, like those ancestors, to trust God and to travel with him. Trust him and travel with him. And Genesis introduces us, as I'm sure you don't need me to tell you after all these weeks, to three generations of spiritual ancestors. Abraham, well we covered that, if you're interested to go back on that. It was in September, uh, July to September 2011, we covered the story of Abraham. So get that online, you can listen to some of them if you'd like to get into it. Recently though, we've been with Isaac, who is Abraham's son, and now we're in the story of Jacob, Abraham, Abraham's grandson. So we're in the story of Jacob then. Jacob is by now, uh, he's in his 20s and he finds himself 500 miles away from his family now that's a long time in those days you know when you only went on your feet or on a camel or something 500 miles is believe me pretty much as far as you could get mom and dad Isaac and Re- Rebecca and his older twin brother Esau they're down in the south of Israel as we know it today and he's way up in the northern part of Syria or even in Turkey in today's terms why is he all this way from home he's all this way from home why because his brother was going to kill him once the old father had died why is he going to kill him well he's absolutely furious and mad as we'll find out as well next week because you see Jacob the younger twin had tricked their dad into giving him the older twins blessing from God and now Jacob's mum uh, Rebecca is, is terrified that Esau really will go through with his plan, and she doesn't want to lose her son because Jacob was her favourite anyway. Hatches a plan to get Jacob away on the pretext of finding a suitable wife from his grandfather's family five hundred miles away. So that's kind of what happens. So so Jacob has been brought up with his f- parents' faith, his parents' faith. But as he leaves home and he gets on this journey, something happens. God speaks to him powerfully through a dream. And that's in Genesis 28. Just to remind us, I just want to read just a few verses from there. On page 30 if you're uh, following, 28 verse 10. bells ringing, and the God of Isaac, the next generation. I will give you and your descendants, Jacob, the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. See, Jacob gets this promise exactly the same as was given to his grandfather Abraham. To be a blessing, a gateway to bless all the peoples of the earth. And it's very real to Jacob. He, he sees this ladder. He sees heaven touching earth. He realizes that God, the living God, the God who makes these promises, wants to be involved directly in his, Jacob's life. And he responds to that. He says later on in the passage, the Lord will be my God, he says. He says, I will trust God and I will travel with him. Well, is that kind of experience possible for us? Can we know God like that in our lives? Well, Jesus once described himself as a ladder in John chapter 1. Like the ladder Jacob saw. And heaven touches our lives as we trust ourselves to Jesus. This can be as real for us as it was for Jacob. Jesus is the way we can come to the Father. He said that. I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except by me. We can know God in our lives through Jesus. Jesus brings all of God's love and forgiveness into our lives as we turn to Him. We, can, we may, may not have a dream about ladders and angels going up and down it, but we can know the living God, active and involved in our lives because of what Jesus did. We might have a dream. I don't, don't want to stop that. But the key thing is we can trust ourselves to Jesus and have that personal encounter. And lots of people have discovered that this week. And if you've not ever known that, you can today if you want to. So Jacob continues on his journey then to find a wife. To get away from his angry brother with a new faith in God and a promise of his blessing. He has a wonderful plan for his life. Maybe like we've been sharing with uh, the people on the streets. But then, remember last week? It all gets a bit messy. Jacob ends up in an extremely, well shall we say, complicated marriage. You can listen to the talk last week. He ends up with um, two wives. He's living with his uncle Laban, miles away, who tricks him into marrying both of his daughters, not the one that he wanted, Rachel, who he loves. It's a mess. It's a terrible mess, as we saw last week. And none of it is really of Jacob's making, is it? And as you read through chapter 29 and 30, you see Jacob, 14 years in this miserable place. His wives are jealous of each other. He's experienced his emotional blackmail. They want him to have sex with their, ha- their, their maid so that they can have surrogate children. They're kind of at each other all the time in the names they choose for their children. Just put yourself in Jacob's place. What must it have been like to be there during that time? And if you read the chapters as we did last week, read through them again, you'll notice God is not mentioned anywhere in relation to Jacob. All through the book of Genesis, when people have sons or daughters... The father and sometimes the father and the mother name them. Who, remember last week, who names all those 12 children or more? It's the wives. Where's Jacob? We don't know. Where's God in it as far as Jacob is concerned? We don't know. See, Jacob had had, had had this amazing encounter with God. He set off to follow him. He thought, yeah, God's going to bless me. He's going. He's got a wonderful plan for my life and so on. But what he didn't realize is this. It's not necessarily easy. And it's almost as if for Jacob, it seems to me, reading the narrative, that, that he had this amazing encounter and then, hey, you know what? Well, kind of life happened. Life got in the way. You can imagine Jacob may be thinking, well, some kind of, is this God's blessing? All this grief, all this agony, the, my wives, their maids, they're, you know, I've 12 kids, uh, not to mention the others that perhaps are not, not mentioned in detail. You know, you can just see where he's at. He ends up as this father who's in the home supplying children, working for nothing. All the time he gets no wages from Laban. He's working 14 years for nothing to pay for the two wives that one of which his his, his uncle tricked him into anyway. He's in a a, a, a 50% loveless marriage, shall I say, because he didn't love one of the two wives. He's surrounded by all these children. He's got all this resentment around him. He's a long way from what he wanted. He feels probably a bit rough. Been there? Fathers can get like that. And not just fathers. Mothers, single people can as well. But sometimes as fathers we can be there in our family. But actually we're really somewhere else. Once there was faith but now it's gone. You know, life got in the way. And I wanted to look for a few moments I have at this story through that kind of lens. Perhaps that's you. If you're here or if you're listening to my voice online. That you, you knew God that way, and then somehow life kind of got in the way. Or many of us will have people that we care deeply about in our friends or families who we would think You know, they were so, you know, they were right there once, but now they're just, it's just not there anymore. Well, Jacob gets to the end of his agreed 14 years contract for the two wives. And then he asks his uncle Laban whether he can go back. And Laban actually answers by manipulating Jacob into staying on for another few years by mentioning the Lord. If you turn to page 31, uh, sorry, 32, uh, for chapter 30, verse 25, just a, a few verses just to get the feel of what Laban says. So he, uh, verse 25 of chapter 30, after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way home so that I can give back, go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I'll be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, if I've found favor in your eyes, please stay. I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I will pay them. And Jacob said, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock is fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now when may I do something for my own household, what shall I give you? He says, again you can read this story in detail for yourself later or maybe you already have if you've already done the homework as it were. Because as Laban mentions the Lord's name, you can almost see Jacob kind of picking up on it as well. It's almost like, you know, you know when you come in in the old days, it's still a bit true. You know, everyone was banging on about how wonderful um, uh, low-energy light bulbs were. Do you remember the first ones? Yeah, look, it took about 10 minutes for them to come on, you know. Well, it, it, you know, Jacob's kind of faith is, a bit like that at this stage. You know, Laban tries to kind of get him to stay. Mentions the Lord. And you see, Jacob, yeah, well, yeah, maybe, you know. There's something beginning to glow a bit in Jacob's life there. And they do this deal. And we won't go into it about how how Jacob can, you know, keep certain flocks of the sheep um, the, uh, and, and not others. And But Laban um, uh, cheats him on that. Laban is... Just just in an arch, um, very good at getting what he wants, and he he tricks Jacob. But even so, um, God blesses, and a lot of the sheep that should be uh, Jacob's get get born and so on. I won't go into details um, because of of time. And after about 20 years since Jacob went to Laban for the first time, a crisis occurs, and that's at the beginning of chapter 31. Let's read that. So Jacob stays on, and now instead of working for nothing, he's getting flocks and goats and stuff that that he can have because they've agreed it. And then a crisis brews. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel uh, and Leah to come out uh, to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said that, uh, he talks about the flock. So I will go to verse 9. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. And then he talks in verse 10 about a dream he'd had from God again. And the dream had reassured him that God was with him. And God, uh, in verse 13, speaks to him in this dream. Verse 13, God says to him, I am the God of Bethel. That's the place where he first had that vision of the ladder, remember? I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once, and go back to your native land. There's a crisis, because Laban's sons, who probably weren't born when when Jacob arrived, have grown up, and they're pretty menacing, you know, pretty kind of heavy dudes, And they're backed up by a very powerful father and they're threatening Jacob's family. And God uses this crisis to speak to Jacob. He does that sometimes, doesn't he? God will speak to us through a crisis. And that's what happened to Jacob. And as you saw the conversation, see how different it is now. God is part of their lives again. Jacob, you know, God is mentioned so many times in that little bit of dialogue. That's why I read it. And, and, and even the wives are beginning to catch hold of the truth. Jacob and, and his family are on their way back, not just to, to, to his land, but they're, they're, he's getting coming back to where he, he, he wants to be with God as well. And so they leave. It's a bit like the sound of music, or Jacob thinks it's going to be. You know, at the end of the sound of music, they all kind of try and escape the Nazis. Well, um, Laban, yeah, probably in some ways would make the Nazis look fairly mild. He was pretty kind of uh, a tough and difficult character. They try and run off, just, you know, flee uh, and escape. During the course of this, Rachel uh, steals her father's household gods, and Jacob doesn't know that. point, though, It's possible to come back. You see? Think of where Jacob was. And now he's coming back to his spiritual roots again. You know the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. He came back. And as he came back, his father met him. You can come back. If you're hearing this, wherever you are, you can come back to God. Those of us praying for people we long to see return. It's possible. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep loving them. You never completely blow it in the Christian life. God will welcome you. His grace is enough to restore us back to him. But more than that, it's possible for people like um, in Jacob's case, his wives and his children, they've been caught up in the crossfire of all this kind of mess and difficulty. It's possible for those to be restored as well. Leah and Rachel, if you look at the way they're talking here, they, they're looking like, a, like almost like a proper family, aren't they? Compared to the previous chapter. God is working. They're on a road home again. God is generous. His grace is enough. and you know, He doesn't say, well, you made your bed, you lie in it. The moment we turn back... He welcomes us like the father in the prodigal son who ran down the road to meet his son and throw his arms around him. As they come home, the crisis deepens, actually. Because if we read in verses 17 to 23... And Jacob runs away, or he puts his children on his wives and, and on. Sorry, he puts his children and his wives on camels. He drives the uh, livestock ahead of him, and they start going on their way back. But verse nineteen tells us Laban hears about this, and um, hadn't been told that Jacob was going, and Laban, Laban, is not pleased. Meantime, Rachel. Laban's daughter, Jacob's wife, has, has stolen and Laban's personal family gods. You know, little idols that uh, were important to, the, to him and his family. So Laban hears of it and comes with his sons, this private army. After seven days they come and Jacob knows they're coming. And when they come, Laban kind of says to him, Why did you do it? Verse 31 why did you run away? Jacob says, "I was afraid, because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. And Jacob doesn't know that actually Rachel has stolen the gods, and Laban uh, uh, accuses her, her some, the, someone of choosing uh, stealing them, but you can read the story, but he doesn't find out that Rachel has them. Jacob is terrified. He's terrified. He's running. Rachel, meantime, is trying to get hold of some kind of insurance. That may have been why she took the gods, because actually, there's an interesting tablet that, that kind of has been dug up, which shows some of the customs of these peoples in the ancient Near East, and and there was something to do with the household gods. The person who kept them kind of got the inheritance. And if you read the story, you can see that Rachel and Leah kind of saw that Laban had robbed them of all their stuff, really. And, and so it may have been that Rachel took it as a kind of, because it gave her some kind of claim in the future. We don't know for sure, and it's a strange and obscure little bit. But but I think both Rachel and Jacob, in their own way, what are they trying to do? They're trying to fix things, aren't they? By either running away or grabbing the gods that they think might protect them somehow, or Rachel does. What they end up learning is key, absolutely key. And that, this is what they learn, isn't it? God can be trusted. Because actually, they don't know it. But while Jacob was running you know, as fast as he could from Laban with his entire family thinking, if he gets me, we're done for. And whilst Rachel is thinking, we better, I better take these gods or I don't know what's going to happen. I've got to get some insurance here. Whilst that's been going on, as you read the story, God himself has spoken to Laban and told Laban, hands off, Jacob, you're not to do anything. They didn't know that. They thought they had to fix it, but actually God was doing something else. You can read it in in the uh, account. God can be trusted. We can trust him with things that we cannot do. We can trust God to keep his promises, to work out his purposes. Jacob learns it. We need to learn it because we're his spiritual descendants, aren't we? Ever had to learn that lesson? No, I have a number of times. God is even able to bring some kind of healing into the relationship with Laban. That's amazing. And as you read the chapter 31, you'll see that Jacob and Laban, in the end, part on, well, for them, good terms. They set up a covenant and they make an agreement. And, and, you know, Jacob is able to head home. So let's finish. Who do we think we are then? Here's our ancestors. These are our roots spiritually. Or what do we think we can be? What can we learn about the faith? of our ancestor Jacob. Number one, we can learn that we need to persevere. We encounter God, we need to walk with him. The road may not be easy. Having God with us, and it's true, we say God has a wonderful plan for your life. By that we mean that God wants to be with you in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life and everything's going to be super hunky-dory from now on. So we we will suffer, we will get disappointment. There will be times when situations overwhelm us. Even Jesus knew that. Look at Jesus as he went towards the cross. He said to his disciples, I, I'm almost overwhelmed by this. But he carried on, he endured. So we need to persevere, don't we, as people of faith. Secondly, that if there are times, and there may be times, when we get like Jacob and our, our families get messed up, our circumstances are just so awful, uh, there are impossible situations, when it just seems that life gets in the way of all that we knew of God. And we can get spiritually depressed, if you like. Well, then we need to know there is a way back. If you're there, you can get back. If you're thinking of someone else, they can get back. God does not abandon us. His presence, his grace is there. And the moment we look and turn towards him, just a jot, he will meet us. Come back and keep praying for those you long to see back. Thirdly, we can, we can trust God to do what we cannot do. Jacob was a fixer. How many of us are fixers here? We want to fix it, don't we? We've just got to get it sorted. Well, there are some things that, you know, we can't fix ourselves. And then we just have to trust God. And Jacob realizes that God can be trusted. We don't need to fear and run if we can't fix our way out of something we can be there trusting god he can handle it you know we should know this shouldn't we it's at the very heart of the gospel it's at the heart of what we're going to celebrate in a in a moment what did jesus tell his disciples to do he just said take and eat he said it's a symbol of what i've done for you you know romans 5 that part of the bible what couldn't we do what could we never fix we could never fix ourselves We could never fix our own salvation. We could not rescue ourselves. But Romans 5 tells us that while we were helpless, Christ died. It says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we become a Christian, when we receive God's love and forgiveness into our life, we receive it because we can't do it. We may have tried, but it doesn't work. And hey, you know, that's how we began the Christian life. Why can't we continue living the Christian life that way? God can be trusted to do what we cannot do. If God could save you, and if God has saved you, and he has saved me because of Jesus, then we can trust him with everything else as well, can't we? doesn't mean we're completely passive sometimes god might call us to try and fix things and he'll help us with that but this mentality that says hi oh, you know if i can't do it it's it's not possible we've got to leave it behind and god can bring reconciliation with others god spoke to laban there's no limit to what god can do that situation that jacob thought would never change <laughs> that's why he ran He'd had 20 years of dealing with Laban. 20 years he'd been outwitted, outfoxed, threatened, harassed. No wonder he ran away. No wonder Rachel thought, I better take the household, uh, household gods. Who can blame them in that sense? But even that situation, God stepped in and intervened. He is the God who can bring those kind of breakthroughs. We can trust him. Even with those impossible situations. So we leave Jacob then learning to travel with God. Learning to trust him again. He's on the move in an amazing way. But there's much more that God's going to do with him yet. Something much deeper is going to happen. He's going to encounter God and he will never be the same again. But you'll have to wait till next week to get that bit. It's, it's a, a very exciting part of the story. But before then, <laughs> this week, let's be people who simply trust God and travel with him as we walk by faith in the steps of our spiritual ancestors. And as we follow the one who you know, is the, the, the completion of all that God began with those ancestors, the Lord Jesus, who walks ahead of us as we follow him and give him glory. Amen.